Have you ever grieved the loss of your loved one? Or are you currently going through the stages of grief? They say grief is love's unwillingness to let go. But in reality, there is also pressure imposed by society. If you grieve too much, people judge you. Yet, if you move on too quickly, people still judge you. So, in 2020, we have all experienced more grieving than ever. And in our first episode of 2021, our guest, Christine Montero, certified coach and CEO of Dottie Mind, shares her experience taking care of her terminally ill husband, losing him to brain cancer, grieving him, and finally, letting go. Alrighty then, welcome to all our friends and listeners. Welcome to another episode of She Begs to Differ with Miss V and Zena V. Today's topic quite heavy, necessary, because most people prefer not to discuss it, but everyone can go through it in life. We're talking about grief, and we are honored to welcome our guest, Christine Monteiro. Christine is CEO of Dotty Mind, a communication and coaching services. Hi, Christine. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure for us. So, uh, Christine, maybe you want to start by explaining to all of us about um, Dotty Mind, what, what it is, and your other activities, because honestly, I have checked you out, and I know that you are doing so much more than that. So maybe just introduce yourself and talk about your company and your activities. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Christian Montero, and I'm a mother. I have three kids. My eldest one is almost 18, and then 13 and 12. BC, uh, BC mom with teenagers. <laughs> I also just started my company, um, like you mentioned before. It's called Dotty Mind. It's a communication and coaching services. I found that coaching has been very helpful. So I wanted to use the coaching technique to help a lot of people and kind of educate people that coaching is not motivational stuff and also not uh, training or consulting. So coaching is actually not giving advice. What we do is actually giving you questions so you can find your own solution by answering that question so that the awareness actually comes from within you. And when the awareness comes from yourself, you become more motivated in doing uh, your goal so you can achieve that. So that's basically what, what, what is the purpose of the coaching services. We do individual coaching. We, do, we also do a corporate training, mostly using the coaching technique. And then we actually promoting self-coaching. So like if you, if you don't want to use coaching as a professional work, at least... Uh, you have a skill to coach yourself because sometimes mm-hmm. we kind of like juggling around and, you know, in our mind, all this negative questions to ourselves, doubt ourselves. Um, so we wanted to people to have that power within them using the right uh, uh, technique uh, of communication. For them. So that's more of last what we do. And what is inspired you to start this company? I always uh, have a passion in counseling. So I've been doing a counseling for quite some time, you know, especially for young moms uh, in, uh, in parenting. So it's just become my interest. So when my husband got sick, I did not work. I, I used to have a communication consulting uh, uh, um, company before. Mm-hmm. So when he passed away, 
I didn't know what to do because I've been off for quite some time in the workplace. So I took the time at the same time with the COVID to kind of like to grieve and to find out what I want to do. So I tried to enroll myself to get my license for the counseling, uh, but it didn't work because I, I was planning to move uh, to US with my kids. But then because the embassy was closed and everything, I cannot process all my documents. Uh, after waiting for months, uh, we didn't see any sign this COVID will, will stop. So I just pray. I'm like, what should I do? You know, I have no idea. Um, suddenly coaching comes to mind. And I did. I started to dig more about what is actually coaching. So through a friend, I asked, you know, what is coaching? You know, can you explain to me and why you choose to be a coach? So he kind of explained to me and he let me experience being coach. And I'm kind of like, you know, oh, that's pretty interesting. Um, uh, and at the same time, it's also interesting skill that I actually already have. Uh, it's just a different way to, to apply that. So I did a lot of research for school and stuff. Uh, that's why I also uh, went to the U.S. just to kind of like uh, get more network and then practice my, my coaching skill. Um, so, you know, uh, by the end of the month, I'll be, I'll be a, uh, certified as a coach. And I'm also pursuing my international credential um, in the next couple of months. So awesome. I can coach hopefully around the world. And that's my dream. <laughs> Fantastic. And that's helped me a lot. In so many ways, you know, going through every process and, and, and problems and challenge in life. And like right now, I have two coaches, life coaches that help me, like coach me every week. And also that I have a, a business coach um, that's kind of like put me in focus because it was a success for me. I'm hoping that I can do it to others, too. And that's, you know, that's how it, it started. And that's the inspiration. And I'm just uh, wondering, like, because you're talking about uh, you do corporate coaching, individual coaching, and so on. Um, what are most of the, I mean, I'm not asking you for personal information on your clients, but I mean, yeah, no, what no. are some of the most common uh, coaching types that you get for a requested? It's mostly people can determine their focus in life. It's always uh, a wait, what should I do? You know, is this really uh, my passion? Or, you know, I normally ask people to sign up for three months minimum just because so you can see the progress. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, I have a lot of uh, different type of clients, you know, like teenagers, even I have a teenagers, which sadly... A lot of teenagers are kind of like lost because nobody uh, helped them to go through it. You know, they were thrown in the world without knowing how to get there. The step-by-step -step process, they just clueless. So uh, that's, that's also happened a lot, uh, to a lot of adults. You know, like they know what they want to do or they, want, they know they want to get there, but they have no idea about the process. Because everything that being taught, all the motivational speaker, you know, I think give you, like tease you. If you want to be rich, like me, this is what you, I'm going to do. But they don't tell you the process, what you have to go through right. step by step. So mostly, you know, they're, they're kind of confusing, uh, 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 you know, step by step. What do I have to do? I'm thinking when you mentioned about motivational speakers, I mean, 
no offense to them, but I'm thinking right now about an uh, Ben Stiller movie. <laughs> I forgot the name, but um, it was about this charismatic leader and who mm-hmm. keeps on throwing quotes that kind of don't make sense, but look sound good. Like, for example, in order to conquer fear, you have to let fear conquer you or something like that. <laughs> and if you think about it, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Just because it sounds makes sense and it sounds logic, like people accepted that be- because they want something that kind of like triggered their mind to get excited about it. But mm-hmm. what they didn't realize is when, when they started to go through it, they started to enter it and, and starting the process, it's not as easy as you talk about yeah. or you, uh, you listen to yeah, I can imagine that it can be very overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're like, okay, this is my goal. And once you learn a little bit, like once you slowly dip your toe into that pool of uh, getting to that goal, then you're definitely overwhelmed. Like there's just so many options, you know, there's so many ways to get there. How do I get there? Exactly. And most people have the list more than one, even five. Mm. You know, so it doesn't make sense for you to be able to achieve that in, in a, a short period of time. So I always encourage my client, like, okay, you choose like one long-term goal and two short-term goal. And then we work on it. Uh, you can, you can choose which one is your priority. And then we work through it, you know, uh, everything, uh, every other week and we meet mm-hmm. up and, you know, like, okay, uh, for the first session, you want to work on this. If it doesn't work after two weeks, you know, what happened? You know, why can't you work on it? What is the obstacle? What kind of like uh, your, your, your factor that you cannot achieve that? And we, co- we coach that again, you know, is that uh, uh, you have problem with self-confidence, you know, or, or there's other matters that actually hinder you to do it. And that way, you are being guided through your goals. Because as an entrepreneur myself, you know, I... I often like oh, just want to give up because it's not easy, you know. Like you, you have to face the reality. Something doesn't doesn't work, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you just have to kind of like you know find another way that kind of works for other people. Yeah, and keep trying. Yeah, I want you to hold on to that thought for a while um, because we will continue talking about coaching. But then you also mentioned earlier about the passing of your husband. Can you share with us a little bit about the whole experience? Um, <clears throat> my husband has been sick for a year. Uh, he has a, uh, a brain cancer, uh, grade four glioblastoma, which is the fastest uh, brain cancer in the brain. Um, for over 20 years, uh, they haven't found anything yet. So it, it was a terminal illness. Uh, after the treatment didn't work, I have to kind of like, make decision to kind of determine that. Okay, I talked to the doctor. I said, I want to give him a good quality of life while he can still enjoy it rather than just going back and forth to the hospital. And he survived for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I never regretted that I took that decision because I think while he was at home, he actually enjoying us. And we, we had a good time together in that sh- short period of time couple months before that after i see after i saw the declining i was kind of like thinking and playing in my mind like you know what if i lose him mm. what is going to happen 
I'm a very logical person, so I like to measure everything by my logic. <laughs> so you know, I, I'm not I'm not a very emotional person that you know, like oh, I, I'm gonna embrace this moment and stuff. I, I'm not that kind of person. So um, I, I try to imagine my life without him. So because he he cannot speak or walk anymore after the treatment, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of. You know, I, I lost him. I lost him already halfway through. So um, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, it will be just like this, but without him present in front of me anymore. So when I wake up in the morning, when I turn my, you know, when I look at on the right side, I can't see his smile anymore. You know, like, like physically, he's not there anymore. So um, that's kind of like uh, went through my mind. So when this actually happened, I felt that the reality hits me right away. The reality where I can't see him physically anymore, that actually kind of like make me realize that this is real. It's not something that I imagined, uh, uh, you know, uh, before, like before. And then I ran away. I, I escaped because I, I'm, I don't want people to ask me, like, you know, what is your plan? What are you going to do? Blah, 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 blah. I just want to take time for myself yeah. to process everything. So I took the kids. Uh, we went. We escaped to the U.S. Because we, we've been so tired that for that long year, we didn't do anything, but we just stayed home. Back and forth hospitals, like you know, the kids were very faithful, and they just go along with everything. So I think like we deserve a break. Mm-hmm. So we we did that, and I appreciate a lot of my friends kind of give a lot of support. Like they like really like literally ask me how are you doing, like really how are you doing, you know, and like they will say, hey, you want to cry, you want to sleep all day, you want to do whatever you want to do, go ahead. Mm-hmm. We will not, we will not like bugging you or, or just do your thing. And then I just realized that throughout that process in that year, I keep suppressing myself, numb myself with all this emotion. So like when the, when the grief starting to come back, it's like all the traumatic event came back to me. So like every time I close my eyes, I remember I can see that you know when he was uh sending to the emergency room or when he had a shizer so like those tra- traumatic events just come back which is something that i did not expect i was so shocked with all this turmoil and you know the roller coaster feeling that i miss him you know all this emotion that i i just don't know and then i ended up i ended up bought a lot of grieving book because i'm like I need to know what it is. It's something that I never experienced before. Uh, very foreign to me. Mm-hmm. And like I said, as a logic person, I, I want to conquer this. But sadly, I can't because this is what grief is. So I have to find out myself what it is. And if you know there is a, a, a curve of grieving that Kabbalah Ross uh, uh, what you call it, a uh, pattern or whatever you call it. And I actually going through that. 
I actually going through that, and I at some point I was in the depression stage mm. where I did not, I can't sleep at all. I I couldn't sleep for weeks, and then I didn't come out from my room for two weeks, like literally. Oh my! I felt that my life was just so useless. Um, but at the same time, I have to say that thank God for COVID, because then you know. I don't have any excuses not to do any. I have the excuses not to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's like embracing the pandemic with everybody that cannot do anything. So what I did it was just sleeping and eating and sleeping and eating. And I was at a point in the depression, and I asked my doctor, "Can I have my sleeping pill because I needed it? I haven't slept for for weeks, and I'm I'm getting worse and worse." So I took the pill, and then you know, I'm like let myself sleep for for days. And I think it is very hard to have to go through that, but thankfully, because I, you know, I'm a big fan of a, 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 a psychiatrist or a counselor. So at the same time, I was, I had, I had my counseling session almost every week, just to kind of help me to go through it and have somebody to talk to, and uh, and somebody that can uh, uh, kind of like logic with me. Give me advice, uh, which is very helpful. So that's pretty much, you know, um, uh, the grieving process. Um, I felt, I felt uh, lonely because once my husband passed away, I don't have any support anymore. Like everybody just left. Everybody just go on their own life, and it's like I was just like somebody that being thrown in jungle and have no idea have, have no friends anymore mm. are you saying that because i mean he was sick for a year right so when he was still when he was alive and sick people were helping around and paying a lot mm-hmm. of attention but yes 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 because he was over in quotation marks yeah he was over then you felt left alone yes so you felt like oh okay then It's, It's done. No, no, no more prayer and needed. <laughs> <laughs> and that is actually um, a period in which you needed um, help and support the most, right? Yeah. And again, like I said, you know, some people, when they text me, they're, they're like, oh, we just don't know what to say, you know, and we don't know how to help you. Um, having go through that, I think and learn about the process and what we want to hear. Mm. We don't need we don't need to hear anything. Just you being by my side mm-hmm. and be present and just like, hey, anything I can do for you, I help you. But because we as a human being, we tend to be want to look wise or You know, we we always want to get uh, give advice. We think that will helpful for 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 people who who is in grief. Um, but it's not because we know we know that people who are sick is in in the better place. You know, we don't need to we don't need that confirmation. Another thing is when people tell you to move on, especially with a spouse. What they don't realize is, when your spouse pass away, it's not only his physical body 
gone. But its entire life, the dreams that we built together, the hope, the 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 you know uh, uh, the the plan, the plan that we can't plan. Hey, let's grow together. Let's plan for our retirement. Let's do this and that. <laughs> At the same time, just like this, gone. So the things that I you know that I plan and all. All the the things that we built together is suddenly just shut down, and I have to go through that alone, and I have to starting to be in the real life that I have to start this alone, only me, not with him anymore. So it's become my plan, not the both of both of us plan anymore. I'm not saying, or I'm not underestimate people who lost their parents, their 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 their, their children, or you know, or any close rela- uh, relative. The grief part is also there, but you know, the vision, the the plan in the future, it doesn't go with you anymore. You grieve because of the memory. You grieve because of all the good time that you you know you can't think about. But with a spouse, you know, you have that, and also your future. So people can just, they can't tell you, move on. Okay, we want to move on, but how? What are we going to do now without him? Especially mm-hmm. when people just kind of like depend on their husband and, you know, nev- or never work. Like, uh, like really, how are, are we going to survive? How are we going to start our life? You know, that is something that people never think about when they, they, they tell you to move on. So there's a lot into it. I have had my own experience with the loss of my dad. And yeah, you're right. It's not a spouse. Yeah. And I think it's more, how do I say it? That mo- most people would assume that you will lose your parents someday. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is logical. Yeah. It's the cycle of life. And you will probably, um, the natural thing is for your parents to die before you. It is. Yeah. For uh, for people, it is much better, I think, when you lose your children because your no parent is supposed to bury their children. But I cannot imagine the loss of a spouse, as you have mentioned earlier. But yeah, even uh, so, I could imagine some um, comments of maybe well-intending people, yeah, to say like they want us to move on. But some of the things that they would say, I remember, <laughs> I remember even like. As my as the the body of my dad was still in front of me, and we were having this um, service in my house, and I was crying like I was crying profusely. And my aunt, and my aunt who is like a charismatic Christian uh, church goer, I mean, no offense to the charismatic church uh, going church going people, none at all. But she was like, as I was crying, she was like. If you don't stop crying, the devil is applauding because he is happy. I was like, oh my God, my dad is still in front of me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Wow. Just yeah. let us grieve. That, that's a very human, you know, emotion that needed to be, to be just out because you just lose somebody. I think this is, this is not our culture. We don't, we don't let people to kind of like have, to experience their emotion. 
I think that what people usually do is like like um, Miss D's aunt's comment is that people tend to add guilt on top of that. Like you shouldn't be sad. You can't. Yeah. You're not allowed to be sad. That's true. No, no, not only that. If you're sad, what do you say? It? Uh, how do you say it in English? But but they say like we have to be in class because otherwise yeah. the surrender. He or she let it go. Otherwise, that person will not be at peace in the afterlife, right? Making you wow. more guilty because you're yeah. depressed, but you're like, oh my God, me being depressed is causing the other, that person to not be at peace. <laughs> yeah. And then that probably, would, adding that would make grieving a lot more difficult within this, yeah. within the Indonesian culture as well, right? Yeah. If they yeah. add guilt, you know, they're just piling all, everything else when my dad passed away, I cried a lot and I was sad a lot. And I, so I did my grieving, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking that, okay, so I actually took a few days. No, no, not even like only the two, two days off for people who were grieving. The company gives you like two days off and then you have to go back to work. So I, I did just that. And it took me by surprise that it turns out that, yeah, from time to time I, I was sad. But when you try to suppress it, that it manifests in psychosomatic um, manifestations, right? So I was starting after, and I'm talking about months, yeah, like three or four months after uh, the, I call it the the big sadness. (laughs) Until today, I call it the big sadness. So after the big sadness, um, three to four months later, I started feeling physical things that I couldn't understand. Like, for example, my heartbeat starting to go really fast or yeah like um shivering or mm-hmm. like for example so many of these symptoms that i couldn't understand um what was happening and then eventually i went to a doctor a neurologist and she was like this looks like anxiety i was like mm-hmm. yeah, this looks like panic attack and in my mind i have read things about panic attacks and they're so scary and that's nothing like yeah. i was experiencing it so it took me a while to finally accept that what I was going through are actually manifestations of grief, mm-hmm. including depression, insomnia, and so yeah. on. It's not that it was only like a months of crying and grieving, but it's actually in my in my case, it actually took me years. So mm-hmm. I think um, we really need to learn how to accept this and actually deal with it. Not yeah. trying to suppress it and actually exactly. understand that this will be beyond just the crying and mm-hmm. stuff. I, I read somewhere in, on social media, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> that uh, grieving is like they portray it as a box with a ball. And mm-hmm. in this box, there's a ball and a button. So this button triggers your sadness, your grief. Yes. This ball started off being really big mm-hmm. and it's moving so every time it moves it will hit that button. yes yeah? because mm-hmm. but over time where after after the happening over time the ball will become smaller and smaller so it yes. will keep on moving and as it moves sometimes it will hit the button but most yes. of the times it will not so mm-hmm. in my experience yeah. for example i got really sad because i was shopping at a supermarket i was grocery shopping and then I saw this old guy wearing a cap like my dad used to and closely reading uh, labels of 
Padang. And I yeah. started wanting to cry because that guy is, I mean, his... Uh, Reminds you of your dad. Yes, his body yeah. expressions and so on really reminded me of my dad. Yeah. So that my opinion, that was like the ball finally hitting that trigger after some time. That's true. So, yeah. yeah. It's like... Um, Go ahead. Oh, when you see the when you see the curve of grieving, you know before the depre- before the acceptance, it was depression. So you have to be able to go up there uh, into the acceptance. Well, there's no timeline to do that, but also you cannot embrace the grieving forever because it's gonna there is uh, uh, it's gonna make you stuck in a lot of way. And I was able to recognize what is triggering my grief so i was able to recognize if i if i face this uh, a moment that would trigger my grief and and uh, you know i recognize that and i have to overcome that so um you know when i'm when, when i'm being pressured and i feel that oh life is so hard that i have to do this again on my own I starting to to feel that grief. I starting to kind of like you know, God, why you took him? I was fine, and I was enjoying my relationship with him. Uh, we do things together. We we enjoying our 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 our, our partnership, our marriage, um, and our family. You know, like why you have to take him, and then I have to suffer this doing things on my own again. So as soon as I have that thought, then that grief hit me. Then I would cry all over again and, you know, like, you know, blaming God and uh, all the things just go back again. So one day I decided after, uh, you know, I, I recognized what caused my grieving. I would kind of like talk to myself. You know what? No matter what I do, it's not going to bring him back. So no matter how angry I was or, you know, blaming God as hard as I want, mm-hmm. he's not coming back. And that will make my life harder and I will never get out from there if I keep doing it. So recognize that and be able to kind of like convincing yourself that you can do something differently. That's kind of like starting to uh, 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 heal myself. So after going through that six months period of grieving, I decided to have enough. I'm like, okay, now is the time for me to get up. I can't sleep all day, watch the Korean drama. Never watch. I never watch Korean drama, to be honest with you, because I hate being addicted to any serious uh, <laughs> drama series movie. But because I don't know what to do, I have nothing to do. And I, would, I just want to cry all the time. I might as well just make myself cry. <laughs> so, you know, I watch like series three, three days straight, not sleeping, just watch and watch and wow. sleep when I fall asleep. And when I open my eyes, I'm going to watch again. So like, it, you know, it, it was very useless and have no purpose in life. It was very sad until I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm done with this pathetic life, I need to do something. So that's in June where I started to kind of like, you know, push myself to get up in the morning. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I just going to get up in the morning, do whatever I can do as a mother, at least as mother, you know, and, and, and start to find something to do. 
So it was like really my cutoff of grieving. But it doesn't mean that it's, you know, 100% completely go away. From June to December, you know, it's come back back and forth, you know, some of the other things like, you know, I still can't really empty the closet. I still have his uh, his clothes. Or mm. when I when I smell certain perfume, it reminds me of him. Or, you know, sometimes oh, before I go to sleep, I'll say, hey, I miss you. Uh, so, you know, it's not necessarily gone, but I just kind of have to educate myself. Mm-hmm. And through coaching, that's actually helped me to create that awareness of what do I have to do. I would like to, uh, I wanted to further ask you about how coaching came to place and what its role in your grieving. Because I, I know a lot of people, myself, that when grieving, you are kind of torn between, um, yes, I have to get over this, but at the same time, you feel guilty. Because if you get over this sadness, it's like you're forgetting about the, this person, right? You're letting go. And yeah. how dare you let go, right? I mean, if it's love, then you shouldn't let go and so on. So, yeah, please um, walk us through this, through this um coaching thing and how you so yeah what you just said is actually something that has been uh built in the society or we heard so many times that makes us feel guilty Mm. from 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 you know for a lot of purposes romantic purposes you know it's like how can you forget him for for all the things he has done but the reality is what are you going to do because the person's not here anymore? <clears throat> what are you going to do because you cannot do any, you you can't do things with him anymore? Physically he's not here, mentally he's not here. Everything is the past. All you can bring with you is put him in your heart and once in a while remember the good thing. So for the coaching process there's a lot of things is kind of transform transform my mind and my thinking the way I think just like for example uh, Miss D when you said you know how can you forget that guilty so through coaching we can't dig deep like why do you have what make you feel guilty about it or what kind of guilt do you have if you forget about him Mm. what will happen if you forget him well, what will not happen if you not forget about him? So the, through those coaching questions, you know, <coughs> you become kind of like shifting your mindset and then you replace it from the old one to a new one to be more realistic one. Like when I, when I got COVID and, you know, I got the COVID from when I was in the U.S. and I come, I come back to Indonesia. and it was right just December, almost his anniversary, uh, which is December was a very critical moment when, you know, he was struggling back and forth in ICU and stuff. It was like the peak of my grieving. So I have to recover from the jet lag. I have to recover from my post coverage and plus grieving. Those three things just, just makes me mentally like crazy. If I, if I can't manage that, I will fall into depression. I will fall into, you know, uh, uh, unstable emotion. 
uh, physically drained. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm not going to be able to do it. But because I have a coach, I have to be able to kind of like separate all three of them because mm. they're actually not related, related. Grieving process is another thing. The post-COVID recovery is another thing. The jet lag is another thing. But how can I manage that separately? So, you know, what, after being coached, what come, what come uh, into my awareness is I have to deal with my, with my jet lag first, which is to kind of like manage my sleeping pattern. If I have enough sleep, if I eat healthy, and I have enough uh, rest, I can recover from my COVID. Therefore, if I don't feeling sad or I don't feeling pressure, I don't feel that I'm the most suffering person in the whole wide world, my grief is not being triggered. Mm -hmm. So because I was able to separate all of those, I can kind of like starting to plan to manage those things. That's how powerful the coaching was for me. And then throughout the week, uh, getting closer to anniversary, you know, things that I remember, things, uh, you know, that I, that I felt, it was being coached too. Just to kind of like be able to visualize my grief and how I feel about it and how am I going to do with that. And then you find a solution. Because sometimes we kind of like know, but we don't know. It's like something that you cannot grab it. It's like something that you cannot reach, but you feel it inside you. For example, um, you know, I was so determined by 2021, I would just run and just started my company. I'm just going to focus on my company. And I'm not going to think about uh, a lot about my grieving part anymore. He's gone forever. He's not going to be part of my company. He cannot pay my bills anymore. Now I'm on my own. Now this is my responsibility, not his anymore. So I have to put my focus on him. But sometimes I still, I felt like every time I want to run, there's someone, somebody pull me. So I never get so far because I always go back. You, you know, like I, I, I give the analogy of, you, you know, like the toddler when they, they started to run, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, a lot of parents can like put the harness, you know, in, in their, in their, in their back, mm -hmm. you know, so like they only can, they only can run so far. And then <clears throat> as long as the, 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 the harness goes, they always come back. Yeah. With the, the parents hold the, the control, have the control, the least in, in, in the, the parents' hand. So I was feeling that way. So after being coach, <laughs> I had the awareness that I'm still kind of like stuck in the past. I'm still kind of like hoping that he's still helping me. I'm still kind of like hope that he's still here with me where I can brainstorm with him, talk to him, you know, and, and just uh, a, a lot of things. So, you know, so having a coach has really helped me to go through that. Um, I, you know, I, I, I can feel the power and how it helped me go through that. What do you think are, um, in regards to the coaching, yeah, what was the thing that really helped you the most? 
just to kind of like to be able to move forward. Because uh-huh. the key, the key of uh, uh, getting out the grieving is to be able to move forward. Uh-huh. Uh, if you cannot move forward, it means that you're still stuck with the moment. You're still stuck with the grieving, uh, 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 you know, grieving stage where uh-huh. you cannot move anymore. So my my collect measurement is, uh, you know, is when I started to work, when I started to have the braveness and strength to create uh-huh. another company. For me, it's like okay, I'm moving forward. Regardless, there's still a little bit left of my grieving part, but I move on. I, I don't just stay in there uh, for the longest time because his life is already done. It, it, there, there's nothing he can do anymore. You know, yeah. he, he doesn't exist in the world, but I have to move on. I have to provide for my kids. I have to pay bills. I have a lot of things that I have to do while I'm still in this world. So that kind of like helps me to understand and go and stay in the in the stage of acceptance. So like, you know, the acceptance part when I say I'm accept- accepting this situation, mm-hmm. this reality is not just uh, saying it, but mm-hmm. actually doing it. Yeah. How long did it take, let's say, that you got to this part where you're already accepting things? Because I bet you if you take a look at look at yourself back then and you look at yourself now you're like wow look how far i've come yeah if you ask me i will never want to go back <laughs> it, it was like the desperate moment ever it's like my gosh i never can imagine that i had to go through that but when i decided to move on or move forward mm-hmm. in that june the process itself probably six months but that that's with the note that I pushing myself and kind of like, you know, make myself keep going. You have to do this. You have to make it, you know, you cannot dream forever. Not that I want to forget him, but, you know, just being realistic. I talked to friends that also going through grief like I did. Um, you know, some of them lose their husband uh, from cancer too. Some of them already remarried. You know, they give me tips, you know. For example, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, you can just kind of like pick up uh, some of some uh, uh, clothes that really remind you of him and then take out the rest of it, you know. And like I said, you know, I, I want to sell all the furniture so I don't, I don't have any memories anymore, you know. And then, and then they'll say, yeah, that's a good idea. That's what I did too, you know. Maybe just a piece, one piece of it, you know, mm-hmm. just to remind, uh, remind him. Uh, that's kind of like a good advice that I'm taking from people, you know, or collecting uh, uh, kind of sharing uh, their 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 experience, and I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was in a point where you know I don't want to live in the house anymore, where I have so many so many memories with him. Yeah, um, it's very torturing, and there's no need for me to keep hanging on that because there's no need. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have to feel guilty about it because it's not here anymore. You know. Yeah. You know what I. <laughs> I I bet there are a lot of people who may be of different opinion, yeah, with you, I think, yeah, including me, for example. I hold on to every single thing, and I can, I mean, yeah, I have to admit that it's taking me much longer than people like you, uh, obviously, yeah, to, to let go. But, yeah, I, to be honest, I cannot, I cannot be in 
that position of like, oh, I want to sell everything um, and just hold on to one thing that will remind me of him because he's no longer here anyway. But yeah, to me, that's like a whole new perspective. You kind of document your your daily struggles and your feelings and how you grieve and so on through various media, right? Yeah, we yes. use, uh, you have social media blogs. I have blogs and social media, yes. Right, yeah. And I kind of learned uh, a few things about about you and your um, experience and so on. And if I'm not mistaken, you were actually newlywed. Here's the thing. We already planned for the mar- the wedding six months previous. So his diagnosis came late. Uh, so, you know, because we already planned it. Right. I mean, the, the doctor, the doctor is kind of like, ask me, are you, going, are you going to continue this? You know, I'm like, yeah, sure. Me with my little faith, I'm like, oh, yeah, we can come for this, you know, nothing to worry about. God will heal you. God will give you miracles. You know, I was with just like my La La Land thinking <laughs> without, uh, you know, knowing the consequences mm-hmm. and how this disease is actually going to portray for the future. So, you know, I was brave enough to say um, we've been because we've been together for years. Uh, so I said. We've been through thick and thin, um, you know, we had a good time and now is the part of the hard time. So I can't just leave him. So we're going to keep doing, uh, we keep proceeding for the, the marriage anyway. Um, we already planned for it. We already booked everything, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, we keep going. Um, and then the reason that I, uh, there's a lot of people ask me, like, why do you have to put all this in the social media? Like, what is the purpose? Like, you know, yeah. Well, at the beginning, I wasn't really wanted to do it because it sounds so labai, you know, like <laughs> expressing your feeling and stuff. Uh, it's not like naturally, it's not me. But because of my experience, I wanted to people to know that it's okay for you to grieve. Mm-hmm. That's the only highlight, the reason why I share all of that. And maybe deep down inside me, I'm a very romantic person anyway. So all those come out mostly at night. <laughs> but because there are also a lot of people uh, DM me and say, hey, thank you for sharing all of this. It makes us feel good that we also grieve. And, you know, it's like, uh, thank you for sharing this because you give us permission to grieve. So it doesn't sound that bad. And it's actually okay for us to grieve. So that was the reason why, you know, I, I, I posting it and kind of share my, my, my grieving process. But as my commitment after 2021, I no longer share that because I'm done. I have enough with that. There, you know, there, there should be another, another stage of my life that I'm alone now, that I am just with my kids. So, um, yeah, that, that was the purpose. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come back. You know, it still come back here and there. You know, sometimes when when we are at home, you know, we're like, oh, I miss daddy. You know, mm-hmm. if he's here, he will say this. You know, but but it's more in a strong way that um, we have that memory. It's not in a sad way anymore. It's not that you know how we're gonna cry every time we talk about it, but we we laugh about it. What kind of um, support uh, that? You- because again, we are talking about a person who was sick for a year with cancer. That means that you were quite busy taking care of him, right? 
and yeah. you have three kids. So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how how it went? Because I, I cannot imagine having yeah. three kids and then I basically just have to kind of like shift my uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I was home a lot. At the beginning, uh, it was so hard because I used to work. And now that I'm home all the time, taking care of him and be on standby because you never know what's going to happen to him. If I have time, I have to sleep. Otherwise, you never know whether you can sleep at night or not. It was kind of like, <laughs> it was the, the, the rhythm that I have to go through. Mm-hmm. And also at the same time, I had to learn how to be a nurse. I remember in the beginning when I have to uh, fed him through the NGP and uh, the nurse in the hospital was, t- was teaching me how to do it, you know, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready. We came home. I fed him for the first time. I was just a mess. I, I, and I remember I was crying in front of him. Oh and I'm like, I don't know. I can't do this. I'm so sorry. You know, like I did not train as a nurse. I said, it was just so hard. And, uh, there is just an up and downs moment. But I know I have to do it. I cannot give up. So it becomes kind of like, you know, you just have to keep strong all the time. I cannot melt down. I cannot collapse. I just can't. I just have to be strong. So, you know, I, I did all of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I thank God that I have a lot of support. I have like a WhatsApp group that people pray for me. And everything that coming up, <laughs> I will ask, hey, can, you guys, can you guys pray for me and for him? So I have that. If I need anything, I just kind of shout out on the WhatsApp, like people will help me right away. Um, but at the same time, I felt that I was being teached to be in silent. So that period of time, 2019, was my quarantine moment. Mm-hmm. that I learned a lot of things to call it maturing myself. So I read a lot of books. I think my spiritual life just totally different than before. I felt that I found God in that desert, in the middle of that desert, mm-hmm. like never before. I starting to understand when David or, you know, um, a job lament and they, they, you know, they, they, they just hated God. Like, why you do this to me? You know, they, they, they're just complaining. But that's actually a very human because <laughs> um, we always say, well, God, give that for a reason and blah, blah, blah. Well, not necessary if that person not understand. But if you can go through that with a process of growing yourself, that it has a purpose. So when 2020, we have a pandemic, I was like, oh, this is just like 2019, but I have quarantined myself. <laughs> I've had practice. <laughs> and, yeah, I've practiced. And I started to enjoy it because I, I know how to do it before. <laughs> I'm not struggling anymore. And I can use the time out of it. So that tw- 2019 was really like how to be still and just kind of take care of yourself in a lot of ways. Um, physically, mentally, and you started to be able to kind of like learn to reflect a lot into your life. 
because we live in a very busy world that our life is a, like an autopilot life. Mm-hmm. Everything just say, go, 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 go. <laughs> we never sit down or have a moment time for ourselves to kind of like think through what happened into our life. But I just had so much of that. That year is just really for me, um, in, in a way, a blessing. Mm. A blessing that, that you can just appreciate time and the moment. I want to uh, ask you about things that may, many people are experiencing when taking care of a sick family member and grieving and so on. You mentioned about um, you know, taking your time, not doing anything and, and staying at home and so on. But I um, can imagine that a lot of people would think, I don't have that luxury. Like, for example, a big problem that may emerge is money, right? Like, for example, even about, oh, um, I already cannot pay for this um, treatment and I cannot not work and stay at home and so on. Do you have any suggestions about how, you know, what type of support or help people or, or planning that people could actually do if, They um, experience in which they have to stay home taking care of their husband, for example. They cannot work outside or what, what, what would you These are very hard questions. Um, but I think this is also necessary um, given my, my experience. Um, I think I was lucky enough that my husband has a pension. Um, and also at the same time, uh, he had uh, insurance. Although in the very beginning, it did not cover that. So the first, the first five months were suffering for that. We, we even had to fundraise because we just don't have enough money anymore. Wow. The, the cancer itself may be not taking so much money, but the side effect, the things that you never can predict, this actually kills you. So like uh, in the beginning, you know, we were brave enough to start the treatment because we were, we were told that after you finish the treatment and that's it, you'll be healed. It's a healing process. Mm-hmm. But nobody tells us about the side effect and what is the worst scenario that can happen. The second thing is people tend to ambitiously, not knowing the nature of the disease, give them all out, try every single medication as possible. That possible they can get, which is for me at a time, I don't want to do that because first I have to be realistic. And then of all, if I keep doing that, I'll be homeless by now or maybe even back then, mm. you know. Logically, if I was told and with my own research, this is a terminal illness, it means that there's nothing much you can do about it anymore. No matter what, what things you want to do, it just doesn't work, period. Otherwise, there'll be a lot of people healed from that. So after the... The first treatment didn't work, and the doctor put him in the clinical trial and oh. you know, wanting to do a, a, another round of chemo. I'm like, you know what? No, I want to risk that because the first time it's already happened, and it makes him worse. And it actually com- uh, shut down uh, everything and make him going back and forth to the hospital. And I don't want to do that. It was hard for me. It was hard for him, too. So I said, you know what, I'm going to stop everything and I'm just going to do the nutrition therapy because luckily I had the experience of it. 
because I myself was an autoimmune survivor. So Mm -hmm. I learned everything of that and I just give my best to him. And I have to tell him, I said, look, you just have to trust me that all the decisions that I make will be the best one. You know, and and I'm I'm not, I'm not taking it like, you know, ah, yeah, I just, uh, I did a lot of research on it. So the doctor in the beginning only give him three to six months because after the treatment, instead of the tumor shrink, it's actually go back even larger. So it means that no matter what you do, it's called the fast-growing cancer is going to keep growing back even after the treatment. (laughs) So for me, it doesn't make sense if I do every, uh, uh, you know, everything that being offered to me, I ended up losing the time that I have with him because we were just too busy focusing on that. So, you know, there's... So my suggestion to people, like, really do the research and think through it, the nature of the disease itself. So you don't wasting your money, you don't wasting your time, focusing only for the disease, but spend time with him or spend time with whoever, you know, a, a member of your family are being sick. Mm-hmm. Take that moment, the precious moment while they can still talk, while they can still, you know, interact with you, because that is the most precious one. If you keep doing all the things that you can possibly do and it's ended up paralyzing them what are you going to do we only can hope for a miracle that's all so uh, a really tough okay i'm gonna stop all clinical medications and i'm gonna you know, rely on natural medication supplement or and food because of your knowledge but i i cannot I, I can imagine that it was not taken lightly for you to decide, okay, let's not try this clinical stuff anymore because it's not gonna, it's still gonna come back. So let's just do this and enjoy the rest of your life. So it's right now you're telling us, this is what I want to point out that maybe people listening to us right now are thinking, oh, it was so easy for her because you are very outgoing person and you are saying it like with the enthusiastically almost. But I can, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's your nature, Christian. Like you are outgoing person, and your voice is vivacious. So, but I can um, guarantee all the listeners that this was not taken lightly. And Christian was going through this. She was not as vivacious as this as right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, you know, I think I. Those years, I think I had tears more than I ever had before and, you know, begging God and just a lot of things. And like I said, there's actually a lot of help out there mm-hmm. um, that you can get, you know, uh, uh, there's always a way to do it. Um, I, at the time, really only rely on friends and also uh, all the simple miracles. Sometimes when we help or taking care as a caretaker, we tend to force ourselves or overdo ourselves. but you have to know that there is time that we actually have to take care of ourselves too, because if not, you know, we can just kind of collapse. So now and then I kind of like ask my kids, my oldest one to, Hey, can you take care of daddy for like two, three hours? Let me go out for a little bit mm-hmm. just to walk around, just gonna like get things out of my mind, you know, and then, you know, come back again and go through it. And another thing that I found very profound is I think I felt that I found so much love in doing that because I faced that I put that problem only for a day so like every night I said God give me 
give me another good day tomorrow or mm-hmm. give me strength to, to kind of like face this tomorrow. And every time I wake up in the morning, I felt that new love and new courage that being given to me. So I think my happiness, my joy mm-hmm. kind of like transferred to him that makes him excited about the day too. Imagine if I'm a grumpy caretaker, <laughs> full of hatred. In the morning, take him out in the sun. I'm like, hey, you know, talk about, if you see some of my uh, short, short clips when he's still alive, just not take your life for granted. If you still can have one day, just thank God for that. And I think I kind of learned that too, that time is so precious that I don't want to miss anything anymore that I can possibly do today. Very simple thing. We always like, hey, let's meet up. Oh yeah, let me check my schedule. Maybe I'll let you know. But I let you know, you never come back to that person until something happens to that person. You're like, oh, I regret it. I never see it. Mm, see yeah. it. I should, I should, I should, if only. So that's our regret. So I learned to not to do that. Hey, let's meet up. Okay, how about tomorrow? Do you have time? Like you just do it. Because you never know, especially with the COVID time. Like you, yeah. you like randomly lose friends here and there. And you never know when is their time or even when is my time. I assume that uh, the moment he was passing away, you were by his side? No. Oh. I did not by his side. That's one of my requests to God. Oh. Okay. I, like I said, I'm a very logical person, so I measure everything. Um, I had a very, very, not back experience, but traumatic experience. Somebody that I, that I know a long time ago passed away in front of my eyes, literally in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get that image for the longest time of my life. It was mm-hmm. so traumatic. So I, you know, I said, God. Please don't let him pass while I'm there. And I even said that to him too. I requested. I'm, I'm like, not, not that I don't love you. I love you so much. But I just can't do this. Because if you die when I'm by your side, this is going to be a very traumatic event. And I don't want that. I just want him to, to, to go in peace. And I actually did that because um, a day before, um, so on the 31st, it was a very critical moment. Both of us was actually being admitted in the hospital because after, after one and a half months, I was sleeping in the hospital. He was in the ICU for, for, for like uh, 40, 15 days. And until I took him home and set up an ICU at home, it was oh. a disaster. I couldn't sleep because the, the machine kept beeping. We had shift witness. Oh, it was like, it was a disaster. So um, I met the doctor and then the doctor said, how much longer do you want to wait? Because he's dependent on the machine. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Do the palliative care. So we brought him back to the uh, hospital and do the palliative care. <laughs> I was so ready. We're going to, we, we wait to unplug the machine and stuff. We were by his side, but hey, he's still alive. God decided to, no, let's keep, keep him. We were like on his side waiting for it. Um, and he stayed for maybe another two and a half weeks. And, you know, um, somehow all his vital one day was just fine. So the doctor was like, rather than you sleep here, do you want to take him home? I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. Let's try it. 
So I was so tempting. So I contact the, the, the neurosurgeon in Singapore. I said, do you think we can do surgery? You know, looking at him, he looks fine. And mm-hmm. then I, yeah. I can't feel him and stuff. And the doctor said, yeah, we can. Let's do it. Uh, I can take out maybe 70% of it. I'm like, okay, 70% fine. And then he said, but it's just going to uh, uh, extend his life. It's not going to be healed. And I'm like, no, I want him to be healed. <laughs> so, you know, I, I already arranged air ambulance and stuff. And then suddenly the next day, he just dropped. It's like he has that sense. And both of us were so tired. And I was, I was admitted to the hospital with the IV and stuff. And the doctor like, you're probably tired. We give you more vitamins. And then after, after the treatment, I kind of like walked to his bed in that, uh, in that emergency room. And I said, I think I have to let you go because this is not life anymore. You hardly even conscious enough. And I think that's going to end our fight. I, I, I don't have the energy anymore. And I'm sure you don't too. Giving that permission, it's like giving him a relief because less than 24 hours, he's gone. In that oh, wow. He's just gone. This actually is very common. I mean, I hear this from time to time um, about people who have some, who have a loved one who is terminally ill. And as soon as that person finally lets go, saying like, okay, you can go ahead. Uh, you have done your work here and uh, we want you to stay, but it's okay if you want to go. And then like within one day, they pass away. It's all, it's, yeah. like, it's a very common story. And, I hear it again from you that once um, the the most beloved person actually gives permission, then that person actually let's go as well. Yeah, Yeah. sometimes I guess it's just our uh, our selfishness that not thinking about their their fight, their suffering, being trapped in their own body that cannot do anything, being paralyzed. But we just kind of like you know keep going. That if they give up, they'll feel bad about it. You know, they'll feel guilty. Christine, I want to ask you. Please do not take it the wrong way. I'm not trying to be insensitive. But I do hear from various people when their uh, loved one finally passed away after a very serious illness for, for quite some time, that the, the minute that this person passes, that person actually feels really Yes. And yes. this actually makes it later on a little more difficult for that person to grieve when grieving because they feel guilty of having felt relief um, when the person passed away. Can you tell us how you felt at that moment? Whenever I got a message from my nurse that he passed away in the morning, immediately I felt that my burden being taken away. Mm-hmm. When I read it, I'm like, thank you, God. Wow. But after that, I cried because, wow, I cannot believe this is happening, actually happening. I did ask God, hey, God, can you give me a, a new 2020? I literally asked. I'm like, God, I don't know if I can take it anymore for another year. I think God, God is not joking because he gave me right on January 1st, 2020. That's when he's gone. And I'm like, seriously, <laughs> yeah, January first. And I'm like, seriously, you know, like, you, you, you don't even let us, you know, uh, forget your 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 anniversary. <laughs> you 
it's a very easy reminder, you know, like every new year we have to like, oh, this is daddy's anniversary. Um, so, you know, it was easy to remember. I don't think I feel guilty because I think it's very human, especially if you take care of like your mm-hmm. spouse yourself. That's actually, it is a relief, but because you are human, uh, you have a limitation. How long can you go forever? You can't either. I don't know. We just don't want to let go of things because we are so afraid that people are going to judge us. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's very realistic. You know, unless you are not built as a human, right. then you don't have the emotion. It's okay to let go. That's oh, yeah. Like everybody will say, well, he's in a happy place. He's not suffering anymore. So why do you have to feel guilty about it? So uh, finally, as a coach, if a person comes to you in the process of grieving, how would you coach them? Well, it really depends on their needs and their goals. Because in coaching, we, uh, we always ask, what is your goal? What is your takeaway from our conversation? So they can create an action plan. There are so, I think, when the first time I started to have kind of like a, a Zoom meeting with all the grieving people, You'll be surprised. A lot of people will say, <laughs> yeah, my spouse has been passed away for nine years. You know, I don't want to touch that because I don't want to be remembered anymore. It'll make me sad. Mm-hmm. It means that that person still hang on to it because yeah. <laughs> they're so afraid that the wound will be open. But that's also toxic because you're still holding on something that you're not there anymore. You have to move on. Move on. There's no why you have to feel guilty about it. It's just something because people told you it is not good or is it something that, you know, you just want, don't want to let go? Because when you're holding on the past and it hurts you and it's created a wound, you're most likely going to be stuck in certain area of life. You just cannot move on. Just like any other traumatic events like, you know, fears, anxiety, you know, and, and, and many other traumatic events in life. At some point, you have your blind spot that you just cannot move on because of something else. So it really depends what is their goal and what are they facing. Because again, like I said, coaching is not like counseling. We don't give advice. So I, I, you know, I can't give advice to them. But what I can create is uh, awareness within themselves. And goals. Yeah. That they can achieve. Yeah. Christine Montero, everybody. We would yes. like to thank you for your time and sharing your stories with us it's been quite a journey for you um i can i cannot imagine but we thank you so much for having shared so candidly with us about your experience of uh, grieving the loss of your husband and how you are now such a (laughs) an outgoing vivacious person that nobody would would have guessed that only a year ago yeah am i right yeah yeah a year ago yes a year ago you just lost your husband but thank you so much for for your advice for sharing all that insight yeah yeah thank you so much christine for for coming on i the information you gave and how you felt was very raw and i think that our listeners needed to hear the ugly truth like the honest (laughs) truth you know you don't need to sugarcoat grief yeah Yeah, and when it happens don't always try to fix things but it's something that you you carry along the way it's not something that you fix so that's sure. what I've learned from you today. Thank you very much for You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Stories. Yes. Yeah. And we would also like to thank all our listeners and friends for tuning in to us. And we will see you all again on our next episode on She Begs to Differ. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Bye.